Hey guys, Coolface here. Thank you very much for listening to me. This is my first episode of Suspension of Disbelief. Now for those of you that don't know, Suspension of Disbelief is whenever you yourself are watching a television show or a cinematic movie and you know for a fact what you are watching on television is not real, absolutely couldn't happen. Dominic Toretto cannot fly off a windshield and catch a female mid-air Letty, his girlfriend, I'm talking about Fast and Furious 6, in mid-air across a 20-foot gap of two high-rise buildings or a giant highway and successfully fall on the other side without hurting a bone in either individual's body. But we know it can't happen. But if he catches her and lands on the windshield or across the 20-foot gap, we'd love it. We eat that shit up. We're more happy for it. We didn't want Dominic Toretto or Letty to die because we needed that third act to kick in. That right there, the suspension of disbelief. You have the skill to successfully watch a fictional movie and have some sort of emotion about the characters. You're not worried about them doing something that you couldn't do in real life. You know you can. You're suspending your disbelief. You're taking your mind into the world of fiction and you're attaching yourself to it in some sort of spiritual way some sort of of out-of-this-body way you're looking at it. That's what I'm fucking talking about. So I want to talk about Star Wars. I know there's a... Hmm. There's a line in the sand. I only like the old trilogy, the original trilogy. I only like the new stuff. I don't really like the old stuff. People hated on the prequels before this new stuff came. I, myself... I'm a 90s baby. So in 1999, when Phantom Menace came out, you better believe I was pissing my pants in awe of the spectacular that was on the screen right in between my mom and my dad. And I remember being so caught up in it. I remember telling my mom, Mom, I want a sword. Mom, I want a sword. I want the red sword that the devil had. And she was like, well, that was Darth Maul. He was a Sith. And that's a lightsaber. And I was like, what? Mom, what? what are you talking about? And she told me, yes, it's a lightsaber. It is a laser sword, she called it. And I was like, wow, Mom, I want a laser sword. And I remember her taking me to Walgreens or Eckerd to go get one because I wouldn't stop crying about it. I was winding. I don't even know what I wanted it for. Nobody else had one in the neighborhood. My brother and sister weren't with lightsabers they didn't go see the movie they were doing something fun with my grandmother and I was winding like a little baby and my mom and dad were like all right fucker come on get some food and get in the car and we're gonna go to the movies to see the new Star Wars and at the time I did not know my parents were giving me such a great gift they were giving me storytelling they were giving me these Stories that will inspire me for years to come. 
even though they are fictional, they are still inspiring nonetheless. Because again, suspension of disbelief. They are fictional, but for some reason, I resonate so heavily with these stories. For some reason, at the end of Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, when Obi-Wan is telling Anakin, you are my friend, you are my brother, how could you? I fucking want to cry. I want to cry because Hewan McGregor is selling that speech so fucking well. Even though it is fiction, I want to die because if that was my brother going to the dark side, betraying everything that we stood for, everything, you would want to cry too. I would cry. But I digress. Star Wars. It's come a long way. The first movie came out in 1978. Star Wars New Hope. It's come a long way. We're in 2020. And I feel like it's still going hard. We got The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian was great. Let me talk about The Mandalorian. If you don't have Disney+, Plus, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know you like Disney. You know you eat that shit up. You know you like Mickey Mouse. All that's on there. Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, it's all on there. But what I need you to get Disney Plus for is the Star Wars content. Mandalorian was the first original Disney Plus content that dropped in November. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. I, myself, was a little skeptical because we all know the Mandalorian. We all know, well, now Boba Fett isn't a Mandalorian. Jango Fett isn't a Mandalorian. We know that now. Um, let me know if I'm correct. But I feel they said it wasn't, it's canon that they weren't Mandalorians. They just somehow acquired the Mandalorian Beskar steel, which is the armor that they wear to protect themselves from their enemies, from everybody, from the Jedi. It was great. The Mandalorian, it was a nice, clean eight episodes, nine episodes, they left it off on quite a cliffhanger. It's opening it up. They can go anywhere from here. We didn't know what the Mandalorian was when we first heard about it in 2018. 20, at the end of 2017, we heard that they were going to do a Mandalorian Boba Fett S show. We did not know that it was going to be such a phenomena. We didn't know that Baby Yoda would be at Build-A-Bear for 200 bucks or however expensive it is at Build-A-Bear. I know it's fucking expensive because you don't see anybody with them, and I know they're there. Or they might not be there, but either way. Expensive merch. So The Mandalorian is a episodic, cinematic series. The reason why I call it cinematic is because it feels like you're watching a movie. They're really short episodes, you know, 27 minutes, but they put the money on the screen. All that Disney coin is just oozing throughout my little shitty 23-inch plasma. So it feels like a cinematic experience in my little living room of my apartment. And 
my hat is off to Disney for giving me that. You know, I'm not necessarily paying for Disney Plus. Don't tell anybody. My brother isn't in town necessarily, but he gave me his Disney Plus. He gave the whole family his Disney Plus. Let's be real. So one person out of six people, seven people is paying for it. So I'm not paying for this content, but it is great. I am thankful for Disney Plus. So the Mandalorian, the showrunner, and I believe he wrote the outline for the whole arc is John Favreau. John Favreau wrote the whole series. And then he had other directors come in to direct the individual episodes. So we had Bryce Dallas Howard, Rick Samanua, Deborah Chow, Taika Watiti. John Favreau directed some, I believe, or he was the production director. So he was there the whole time overseeing every little thing on each episode because his fingerprints are all over this. And Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni. If you don't know who this man is, I guarantee you we are going to know who he is in the next couple of years. If all things go right, if the world isn't over, if the corona, if the rona doesn't wipe us all out, we are going to get more Star Wars cinematic adventures. And I can't wait because honestly, this man, Dave Filoni, is doing amazing things in Star Wars animation. And he came on to The Mandalorian and just made Star Wars better. When you hear interviews of this man talking, he is a student of George Lucas. Dave Filoni is George Lucas's Padawan. George Lucas is the all-seeing Master Jedi that came up with this grand story, the Jedi Knight, the Old Republic, everything. And Dave Filoni is taking what George Lucas has done over these years and just making it better. Just taking away all the side shit. He's taking away all the Ewoks. He's taking away, you know, he's taking away all the little aesthetic things that people associate Star Wars with. He's taking it all away and bringing it back to the foundation. He's bringing it back to this epic of good and evil, of choices between being a soldier and being a ally. There's a lot of that in The Mandalorian because the lead character, if you will, the Mandalorian himself, he is gripping with the idea that he could be more than just a soldier, more than just a hunter, more than just a religious hitman, which is basically what the Mandalorians are. They have weapons and they use them. They know how to hunt. They know how to capture. They're bounty hunters. They trade in blood. And 
John Favreau, Dave Filoni, Deborah Chow, Bryce Dallas Howard, Taika Waititi, Rick Famanua, these directors, these visionary artors took the idea of a Mandalorian could be more if he's exposed to the living force took that idea and just ran with it and they created something great I don't want to get into in particulars on the Mandalorian because if you haven't seen it you need to I just have to go into the Mandalorian because this man Dave Filoni is amazing he was a showrunner and visual director I believe for Rebels and the Clone Wars the Clone Wars started way back when. When did it start? 2004, maybe? And I'm talking about the computer-generated Clone Wars. I'm not talking about the Samurai Jack-inspired Clone Wars that came out early 2000s. They are, what was it, 2003, maybe? 2003 on Tsunami? Those were great, by the way, but those aren't canon, according to Disney. According to Disney, those are legends, and the computer animation Clone Wars that started in 2015 is canon. And it's good shit, man. I can't say I watched it all. I've watched half of the first season and I fell off. I fell off hard. I didn't go back. kind of told myself I didn't need it. But I got back on this last season and you could definitely tell. They knew that the first season of Clone Wars, maybe the first four seasons, I didn't watch any of them, only the first six episodes of the first season, they knew that maybe it was a little amateur, maybe it was a little childish. It wasn't quite as in-depth as, let's say, a Last Jedi. Last Jedi was very philosophical. It was very elevated, spiritual, Star Wars, the living force conversation. It was elevated Star Wars conversation, to say the least, The Last Jedi. Ryan Johnson, director, writer, he gave us a great film. Don't let anybody tell you that The Last Jedi is a bad film. Good shit is happening in The Last Jedi. And it, watching The Last Jedi made you feel enlightened. It made you feel some sort of fuzzy feeling in your chest as you heard Luke talking about the Force and he was talking about how Jedi are vain and how the Force is so much more than just the Jedi. It's so much more than just the Sith. It's light and dark, but everything in between. And that shit gets me passionate because that sounds like real life. That sounds like karma. That sounds like energy. Oh my God, when I saw Last Jedi, I was enlightened. And I feel like nothing else in Star Wars has gave me that feeling except for Mandalorian. And then recently, I'm talking recent, I'm talking like two days ago, I sat down and watched the last four episodes of season seven of Clone Wars. I know. I'm a fucking asshole. I didn't watch the whole season. But Dave Filoni, remember how I was talking about Dave Filoni? I listened to him talk on the Mandalorian 
special, what is it called, Galaxy's Edge, Galaxy something, it's on Disney+. Plus. And he was talking so poetically about Star Wars, so fucking in tune about Star Wars. He was talking about how Star Wars is about family. It is about a father and son. And if you look at it like that, it's just fucking, he's put it right on the nose. Because if you watch the first Star Wars, you know, Luke didn't know his father. And he comes across Obi-Wan, who so happens to be a father figure that Luke needed at that very moment in time. He loses his father figure at the end of A New Hope. Then in Empire, spoilers, if you don't know, you fucking should know. At the end of Empire, he comes across his father, Darth Vader. And he's fucking flabbergasted. He is on the floor, literally dying with his hand cut off by his own father, nonetheless. And then in Empire, we learn that the Emperor wants to make Luke his new apprentice. He wants to be Luke's father figure. And in this struggle, Darth Vader, who is Luke's biological father, realizes that he needs to be Luke's savior. He needs to be there, even though he hasn't for all these years. He realizes that he needs to be the father he never was. And he defeats the Emperor and takes his, whole, his own life in the process to be there for Luke. And that idea of father and son and lineage is throughout the whole Star Wars movie franchise. And I feel like that's pretty deep. It's pretty philosophical if you go into it. Because even in the new series, they talk about, you know, little threads of, and uh no not not Anakin Kylo Ren and his father and Rey and her parents and her father we already know who her father is we don't want to talk about it so I'm just really excited that Dave Filoni is in there spitting game and spreading his knowledge on how he feels Star Wars should be in the future back to those last four episodes of Clone Wars. Those last four episodes of Clone Wars are so breathtaking. Very, very, very sci-fi soundtrack. Whoever did the soundtrack of Clone Wars, I need to know. I need to look this up and listen to them because it was very... Space Odyssey 2021, very Blade Runner with the synth. Boom, bing, boom, boom. Then you see the clone troopers lining up in their military format. 
marching on the Star Destroyer deck. Just good stuff. I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but Dave Filoni, we really need to appreciate this man. And we need to put him on a bigger platform than he is. Right now, people like John Favreau are definitely picking him up and putting him in the ranks where he needs to be. But, okay, now I'm going to talk about Kathleen Kennedy. Kathleen Kennedy is the producer of Lucasfilm at Disney right now. She's the one that's greenlighting everything that's happening. Hopefully she was the one that greenlighted Mandalorian. Because if she did, she is definitely on the right track. I don't know if they're going to keep her around after all this settles, all this Rona business settles. But we need to see Dave Filoni in the captain's chair. I don't know if I necessarily made a point in all of this. I know I'm going off on a rant, but if I make any point whatsoever, it's that Dave Filoni needs a film franchise. He at least needs to to direct the first movie of a trilogy. You know, it makes sense because that's what George did. George directed the first Star Wars and then he brought somebody in to write, co-write. Lawrence Kasdan co-wrote Empire with him and somebody else came in and directed it and somebody else came in and wrote, I think he wrote Return of the Jedi and somebody touched it up and then somebody else directed Return of the Jedi. So I feel like if we get a Dave Filoni to come in and write a first movie of a trilogy and then write an outline on where the next two movies are going to go and have him actually direct and put um, his stamp, if you will, on that first movie and kind of direct the way it's going to be unfolding the story, I think we got a winner here. I think we have something that will appeal to all ages because that's what he's doing in Mandalorian he's appealing to everybody he's appealing to the hardcore OG Star Wars fans and he's appealing to the millennials like myself and he's appealing to the little fucking kids all the little kids are talking about Mandalorian they're talking about Baby Yoda it's crazy amazing when I say crazy I mean amazing long story short guys you need Disney Plus if you don't have it strictly because of the Star Wars content. Now, if you like all the other Disney stuff, fine. But right now, it's the only place that you could get all the Star Wars all at once. So, yeah, guys. I know I've been talking a lot. I'll see y'all next time. I'm going to talk about more suspension of disbelief next time.